welcome to the Money Mindset Podcast Series. This is your host, West. These podcasts will help you transform your financial mindset by helping you to identify and eliminate all the subconscious blockages and poor conditioned beliefs related to money that are holding you back from making the money you know you're worth. It's made a huge difference to our income levels and we want to share exactly how we did it with you. Be sure to listen to all the podcasts so you don't miss anything important. Let's get straight into it. Andrew and I are here today and we're going to have a talk about how to identify and eliminate your subconscious blockages to success. Hello everybody. We thought that we might start by just giving you a bit of background about how we learned this stuff in the first place and also I guess the stuff that we've applied it to over the years because Andrew and I actually learned this stuff back in 1987, so way back when. In fact, it may not surprise you to learn that Andrew and I actually met on a workshop which was teaching this stuff. So the benefits of doing this course far outweigh the actual uh, psychological benefits. You actually might pick up a, a partner or... <laughs> <laughs> All good stuff. Um, we might, I, I guess, just start by talking about what... Um, we mean by subconscious blockages and how all of that works and then we might talk a little bit about uh, why we originally decided to learn this stuff and then sort of where we've taken it from there and particularly how we've applied the techniques that we've learned over the years to um, improving our success in a range of areas including financially. So um, we might do this as a bit of a tag team I guess. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, what subconscious blockages are and where they come from, I think most people are aware of the fact that uh, your mind is divided into um, your conscious thoughts and, and that's where you uh, rationalise things um, and where uh, I guess you carry out logical processes in your mind. Um, a much larger part of your brain is actually involved in um, subconscious thought or uh, the, the programs or drivers um, which happen beneath the surface, if you like. Do you want to talk about maybe where they come from, Andrew? Yeah, um, your subconscious mind, it, it, subconscious is a broad term, but um, if, if you look at how the brain works, it, um, it works in um, electrical cycles, basically, go, go through your, your brain, and all that really happens is, is the speed of those electrical cycles moving through your brain dictates... Uh, the state of mind that you're in. Uh, so as we're sitting here today and we're talking and, you, and we're using uh, language, we're generally, uh, it's generally said that you're in a beta frame of mind. Uh, the types of things that we're going to be looking at though, is it's where your brain slows down and you get into a more of a dreamy type of um, state or light sleep sort of state and that's called alpha uh, and alpha brainwave activity is where a lot of the subconscious programming is is actually held in in your brain. Um, that's not very scientific in terms of there's a lot more to it than that. But just that it, for the sake of what we're talking about today, that's really all you need to understand. That the frame of mind that you have um, will help you access um, the subconscious beliefs and programming that you might have that you may be not consciously aware of. Now, why this is important is that your programming or your beliefs at the subconscious level, at the level that you're not consciously aware of, um, it dictates a lot of your uh, conscious behaviour. And where this can be a problem for you is if um, if you've got a belief or some sort of program that you're not consciously aware of, which says that 
you are a certain way which is contrary to what your goals, your stated conscious goals are. So uh, Daryl, do you want to uh, take it from there? Mm. There's probably a few sort of classic examples that can help you to understand the difference between what you consciously believe and what your subconscious is actually driving you towards. One of the classic ones is if you have a look at um, people that have uh, won perhaps a, a large sum of money in lottery, it's probably not surprising um, to actually, when you go back and have a look at these people a few years later, to find that the majority of them have in fact lost the lot and quite often they have a whole string of broken relationships and friendships and bad business deals um, strung out behind them as, uh, as they've done their best to get rid of the money that they've won. And if you actually have a look at what's happening there at a subconscious level, um, what we'd say is that at a subconscious level they have a belief which is, I don't have a lot of money or I'm poor. And the reason that uh, they have that belief could be anything, um, their upbringing, their experience and so on. But their reality before they um, won a large sum of money was that they didn't have a whole lot of money. So their reality matched their subconscious belief. Once they suddenly had a couple of million dollars drop into their bank account, they suddenly found that their reality didn't match their subconscious. And while at a conscious level, they're probably going, yippee, my problems are solved forever and a day, their subconscious is going, hang on, we have a problem here. What I can see in the bank account doesn't match what I subconsciously believe. And if it ever comes to a battle between your conscious and your subconscious, well, your subconscious, which is a much larger part of, uh, of your brain function, generally wins. So um, that can cause all sorts of problems for you uh, if you have subconscious beliefs which are contrary to what you consciously want to do. It's not always obvious either what your subconscious beliefs are. In fact, we're going to have a look at some techniques a little bit later on which can help you to identify what some of your subconscious beliefs are. Because quite often we'll talk to people who go, look, I really, really, really want to succeed here. But the reality that you tend to see is that they end up self-sabotaging or for whatever reason just not succeeding in what they're wanting to do. And when we do some digging around, we generally find that that's because there's a, a subconscious program there or a subconscious belief that, uh, that is holding them back. You can kind of think of it like your subconscious belief almost being like a, um, a computer program, something which is ingrained um, in your system and which doesn't make judgment calls about whether that belief is good or bad. It simply carries out what it's um, designed to do. Another example might be um, a person who's a smoker. A person who's a smoker has a subconscious belief which says, I'm a smoker. And unless that subconscious belief is changed at a subconscious level, then they will continue to struggle with giving up cigarettes because doing it consciously, doing it by willpower, um, is seldom sufficient. It's really not until that subconscious belief is changed that things actually start to, uh, or the external behaviour starts to match the internal. You want to make any other comments on that, Andrew? Y yeah, the main thing to understand here is that we're, we're um, creatures that are designed to gravitate towards what's comfortable for us. So a whole society uh, that we create around us is all about making us comfortable. If that's the clothes we wear, the people that we... Um, have have as friends the um, the cars we drive we the furniture the houses we live in everything is about making us comfortable and our subconscious um, habits are no different so if we carry out conscious activities which are contrary to our subconscious beliefs then those 
conscious activities will make us uncomfortable at either at both can be both consciously and subconsciously but primarily subconsciously and so when we're not consciously overriding that subconscious program we will gravitate back towards where we're more comfortable and Daryl mentioned about a um, about uh, people who win lotto and and so on uh, it was a story was relayed to me uh, a few years ago now um, that um, there was a study done on uh, lotteries and um, one of the lotteries here in Australia and um, the idea was to look at where are these people now after they've won I think it was over a hundred thousand dollars or more and within 18 months uh, more than 80% of the people had either reverted back to where they started from or or worse with as Daryl said a trail of broken relationships broken partnerships and failed businesses um, now our argument would be that uh, it's because you can give the people the money but if they're not mentally set up to handle it then they'll do their best to get rid of it because they're not comfortable with it. Now I know there's a lot of you out there who are saying give me a million dollars and I'm real, be real comfortable with it and I'm sure there are a, a, a percentage of you who would be but I um, statistically know that um, there'll be a bunch of you out there who have a subconscious aversion to having that money but would make you uncomfortable if that makes you uncomfortable over time you'll gravitate back to where you're more comfortable and where you are more comfortable is where you probably are today now um, that might be hard to hear uh, and some people uh, might object to that but what you need to ask yourself is why you are where you are today what's holding you where you are today and um, and what do you need to let go of to move you on to the next level and that's what we're going to have a bit of a talk about today. Mm. Just before we do there's actually I guess the the opposite of the example that we just gave with someone winning a whole lot of money in a in a lottery and that is if you think of an example of someone who has been quite wealthy and for whatever reason perhaps a, um, a poor business deal or whatever has lost everything um, the number of times that you hear the story of how quickly they've actually been able to come back so how quickly they've been able to make that money back again and uh, and soon be you know back to being financially successful and the reason that um, that that happens we'd say is because they have a subconscious program which says I'm comfortable when I have a lot of money I'm comfortable when I'm wealthy and because they have that uh, subconscious program then when suddenly they don't have a whole lot of money they feel uncomfortable there's a mismatch between their subconscious belief and their conscious reality and so their subconscious drives them towards where they're comfortable which is back to having a lot of money so it's always that subconscious belief that uh, that wins um, and you can really only retain I guess that um, uh, that conscious drive for a certain amount of time really doing it by willpower is, is certainly the hard way to do it so we might talk a little bit about um, what we learned all those years ago, hey, and uh, and how we applied it initially, and then um, what we did since then. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good idea. Um, back in uh, 1987, Daryl and I uh, met on a course um, which basically taught that a number of techniques, but uh, and some of them that we're going to show you today. Um, some of the things that we looked were going there for at the time were totally different than money. Uh, or problems that we will experience of, with money but um, nonetheless they were issues that were affecting us in our lives at the time. 
Mr. Darrell, do you want to talk, talk about what you were having problems <laughs> with? <laughs> Mine was a really funny one. I actually had, well, it's funny in hindsight, at the time it was affecting my entire life. I actually had a spider phobia and it was so bad that um, I really, I couldn't walk into a room without having someone go in ahead of me and actually check the room for spiders. That was how, how bad I'd become. I knew I had to do something about it when uh, I was... Um, driving into university one day and I turned the corner and the sun was in my eyes so I pulled the sun visor down and there was a great big black hairy spider sitting on the sun visor and um, I jumped out of the car while it was still moving and the car went in one direction and I went in the other and it was at that stage I decided I had a problem that I needed to do something about and I figured that it was probably a subconscious issue that I needed to address and um, and figured that if I didn't do something about it soon, then I probably wouldn't be around much longer. The thing that amazed me was how quickly and how easily I actually was able to eliminate that, um, that subconscious belief um, or that, uh, that phobia that I had. It only took about two weeks to eliminate that. And uh, at the time, that astounded me because it really was just such a major part of, of what was going on in my life. So it turned my life around and that was when it really made me realise that it was such a powerful technique. If, if it could have that type of impact so quickly, then it was like, well, okay, I've got that out of the way. Now, you know, look out world, what else is possible to do? And, mm. and that was really exciting for me. Andrew, I know you had something similar, didn't you? Well, it wasn't a spider phobia. I had a, a bit of a learning phobia, if you want to call <laughs> it that way. Uh, I always struggled at school and uh, really had problems with uh, learning and, and had what we'd call learning difficulties or learning disabilities. And... and uh, Consequently, I made got my way through uh, school and uh, sort of dropped out halfway through high school. Um, and, and I think at the time of dropping out, I I can't remember really reading any more than one book at that in in that time. Uh, um, so really, sort of struggled through. I used you get quite good when at school in terms of being cunning, in terms of how to avoid or survive and doing tests and all that sort of stuff. Um, but if you can't read very well, uh, it, it causes causes your problems. Uh, so I was also di diagnosed with dyslexia at that time and um, it uh, was really one of these things that uh, I just felt like I was dumb and, and didn't have very, you know, it was one of those things, you know, I, I was just didn't, couldn't learn very well, couldn't read very well. Uh, I know other people could, but one of the things I just couldn't do, that's the way I was, and that was how the belief system that I had at that point in time. So we um, went along we, and we learned some of these techniques, and what blew me away <laughs> was um, once I identified what the, the uh, program programming uh, was and the event that caused the programming, um, it just really changed my life. Um, and I'll, after that, I went on to, um, or well, we rebuilt the program, came up with a program which uh, supported what I wanted to have happen, and went on. After that, did more study, went on to university. Eventually, uh, did degree and got in the top five percent uh, of the university uh, for my uh, uh, in terms of uh, marks and so on. So, I felt like I could sort of uh, knock that that problem on the head, and it was all to do with these techniques that we were about to. Uh, to share with you uh, soon. Now I can give you example after example after example of people who I know personally and have seen apply these techniques and just change major things in their life. Um, you might not be able to relate to spider phobia or, or um, having a learning difficulty or whatever, but there might be something in your life that's uh, 
stopping you or blocking you from doing whatever you want to do. Uh, today we're going to actually be talking about money, which seems to motivate a lot of people, and um, and some of the blocks that can stop you from achieving the financial freedom that you really uh, say that you want and also I think I believe you deserve. So we might um, just maybe start talking about some of the techniques that we used early on that probably had some of the biggest impact on what we did. I know one of the things that we put together fairly early um, was a goal book and uh, yeah, that, was, uh, right. that, that was a heap of fun, um, something that, that we could do uh, as a couple to come up with, with things that we wanted to achieve. Now we had a whole range of things in there, obviously not just financial things, but um, we've talked about a few other things, so it's probably time to talk about a few financial ones, hey? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, the thing about a, a goal book is that um, it is a way, or a trigger if you like, for um, setting up your, uh, your subconscious to achieve the things that you want it to achieve. Um, there's, uh, there was a book written a while back called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz and it's probably one of the sort of classic books, if you like, in, in this area. Maxwell Maltz was actually a cosmetic surgeon and um, he was doing a lot of work with trauma cases, people who had um, uh, perhaps lost a limb or were severely disfigured as a result of an accident and he was treating them with cosmetic surgery. One of the things that he found was that despite whatever he was doing, he found that people still had, um, particularly if, the, if they'd been disfigured for a while, they still had this underlying perception um, that they still looked the way they had despite the improvements that he had made. The other thing he found was that with new trauma cases, um, if someone had perhaps lost a leg, for example, uh, for a period of about three weeks, the, this idea of a phantom limb would actually persist. And so what he um, derived from that was that uh, our subconscious takes a while to adjust to reality. But um, if we actually um, uh, imagine something, and this is what he found out about the subconscious, that the subconscious can't actually tell the difference between something which is real and something which is imagined vividly and in detail. So continuous reinforcement of something imagined vividly and in detail is sufficient to actually trick your subconscious into believing it's true and to, into actually um, building a new subconscious program. Now the idea of a goal book is simply a way to implement or take advantage of that fact. And so when we put together a goal book there are certain ways that we do things. Um, we identify uh, the goal that um, we jointly want to achieve and then we write it down in a way which um, describes it as if it's already happened. So for example, if we want to, it, it, so for example, if we want to, um, uh, well, an example would be when we decided that we wanted to give up our uh, consulting business and we wanted to uh, stop doing fee-for-service type of work, have a lot more control over our, uh, over our time and earn a passive income, uh, we actually wrote that out um, at the time as if it had already happened, even though the goal was a five-year goal. So we would write something like, the year is, and we wrote this in the year 2000, the year is, is 2005. And it's just wonderful to have finally achieved our goal of being completely financially free. We then describe, go on to describe in the goal um, what that means to us in detail. 
the more you can use um, all of your senses to how it looks, how it sounds, how it feels, the more real it is and the easier it is to trick your subconscious into believing it. Using colour, using pictures, using humour is a very powerful way to do it. We might just give you a couple of examples of some of the things that we achieved on the way through because a goal book is something we've been using for, for quite a few years. Do you want to talk about, for example, um, getting a car, that sort of stuff? Oh yeah, um, you've got to be a little careful with this technique because uh, um, like, like Daryl said, you, you, as part of your brain you can't tell the difference between fantasy and reality and um, you have to be very clear and specific about what you want because it, uh, it's been our experience that the goals that you put down uh, literally I'll get de delivered literally. Uh, an example was one time when I, uh, a number of years ago now, uh, I wanted a car and I couldn't work out in my mind what sort of car that I wanted and, um, and so there were two particular cars at the time that I was interested in and I, I went and got some pictures of these cars and I cut them out and I put them in my goal book and um, I thought well these are the types of this is the type of car that I want, but it, I'm not exactly sure what it, which which particular one. But I thought something's better than nothing. Put it in there and let it let's see what happens with the goal book. Now the way I, what I do when you write a goal is you have to write write down the goal like it's already happened. So we, I would say, you know, today is and whatever the date it was that I wanted the goal by. I'd say the day is, you know, um, the date, and then I'd say uh, I now have this fantastic car, I'm really excited about it and you describe the emotions that go about getting um, getting your car. Now what the thing problem was with this one was that I wrote my goal in my goal book at the time I was um, struggling at my work. Uh, I had a sales um, position, a commission only sales position and I wasn't doing very well in it and I was looking at getting uh, probably on the edge of getting sacked at that time and I figured well I know this stuff works, let's just start setting some goals and also uh, start working on what's stopping me in the sales stuff. So I did all that thing and, and putting the car down was a part of the goal. What happened though a couple of months um, after doing that, I um, we shifted house and I actually lost my goal book. It got sort of tucked away in, in boxes somewhere and, and, I, and I couldn't find it. It was a couple of years later that we were digging out uh, some of these boxes and I found rediscovered the goal book and what was uh, strange in this was that I opened up the goal book and I had um, I had a, a, my car in there, my car goals and what I basically said, oh today was the date and I can't remember the exact date now, it was about 15 years ago and I, I looked at the goal and I called Darren and I said look at this. Now what, I, what had happened is I'd put two pictures of two cars, one was a um, a Suzuki Swift in there, uh, which was a, a little car that I wanted at that time. The other one was um, a Ford Capri convertible, and it was a red Ford Pri Capri convertible. Keep in mind, I forgot about this goal, and I, and I lost the book. What I had sitting in my driveway at that point, at, on, that, on that day, was a red Suzuki Swift, and what was in the goal book was a um, a was two cars, one was a red Ford Capri and there was a green Suzuki Swift so what was sitting in the driveway was a match of, of both of them. Now, fluke coincidence maybe but uh, what we find is by writing down your goal book, uh, writing goals in your goal book, uh, flukes and coincidences just seem to happen. Uh, I've lost count of the amount of times that we've written a goal and it, it's come true uh, once it's in that goal book. So if you do nothing else from what we tell you, uh, just write a goal 
write it as if it's happened, write it with excitement and the emotions surrounding it and review your goals um, just but just look at and looking at the pictures as, as often as possible. Mm. And it's something that these days we tend to use um, regularly. If I've got a seminar coming up and I'm wanting to make a certain number of sales, then I'll just put that in the goal book. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do it, uh, we'll review them annually and we'll have a look at them and we'll come up with some bigger picture goals. But you'll find that once your subconscious gets used to actually uh, responding to things that you write in your goal book, it's almost like your subconscious goes, uh-oh, it's in the goal book, better make it happen. And it really does become very much an automatic trigger and it, it really is amazing how quickly it works. In fact, we have friends who call their goal books their magic book because sometimes it really does feel like that, doesn't it? Yes, it tends to happen without, mm. really without any effort is Ma what amazes me. Magically appears. Um, so just give it a go, folks. Uh, I can't, uh, I can't uh, recommend that enough. Uh, I believe there was a study done um, uh, once again. So one of these things that was told to me, I, I, I don't know the exact uh, source of it. I think it was Harvard or Stanford or somebody did a study on uh, successful people. And I understand that uh, there was a class that was followed up uh, 15 year or 20 years after leaving uh, the university and uh, a where are they now sort of study. And they found that the common denominator with people who had uh, had had success in their life as opposed to the ones who didn't in in the class the main common denominator were, were folks with clear uh, clear written goals was was their um, was the clear de uh, denominating uh, factor between between those who were successful and those who, who weren't successful so there's power in writing your goals please try the goal book Okay, let's maybe have a look at some of the other techniques that we've used as well, hey? I, I guess we can really divide them into techniques which you can use to identify your blocks and then after that techniques which you can use to actually um, change or uh, install new programs that you'd actually like to have in your subconscious. So I guess there's, um, there's really three techniques that we tend to use. One of the simplest um, and the one that we would tend to use or that I would tend to use most these days and probably because I've been doing it for nearly 20 years is simply to um, ask a, a meditative or a reflective question and in order to do that I'd simply go down into a relaxed state and then I would ask what are my subconscious blockages to whatever it is that I'm trying to achieve. Now um, that might be uh, something that I'm trying to achieve in terms of my relationship with my children. It might be um, something that I'm trying to achieve in terms of my health. But we might talk about the example of doing it um, in terms of finances because since people uh, are here on a, a program about ways to make money, then let's, let's um, use examples like that. Just so before we do actually get into, um, <coughs> excuse me, what are my blockages and, and, and so on. Just a, a simple and easy way to uh, maybe identify whether or not you do have any blocks is to go back and um, just look at your income over the last uh, five years and start to see if there's any patterns in your income and your earning. Uh, firstly, see if you're, um, you're habitually spending more than you earn or you're spending right to the, the amount of what you earn. Um, also see if the amount that you earn is hitting a ceiling. Is there a glass ceiling that, you, that, you're, that, you're, hit, uh, that you're hitting on a regular basis? Um, it, if you're earning on, uh, the same amount over the last five years as you were five years ago, then I would suggest to you that you have some 
glass ceiling or some program which is keeping you comfortable in that position that you're that you're at at the moment. So sorry, Daryl, I sort of jumped mm. on top of you there. Mm, that's okay. And some of the things that can cause that are really interesting. They might not be things that you're consciously aware of, but um, for example, people can have a subconscious block which says, um, I can't earn any more than my parents. Um, and so they might have that belief that's actually holding them back. Uh, another common thing that I tend to see is um, whenever things just start to improve or get ahead, there's always something which comes up to spoil it. So, you know, suddenly the car needs new whatever that's fallen off it um, or some sort of emergency arises so that just as things start to improve for you, there's always something which comes along to bring you back down to uh, the level which your subconscious is comfortable with. So it's certainly a good technique that you can use just sitting there and thinking back about um, the commonalities. What is it that's happened to you over the last five years to keep you where you are financially? Yeah, what money habits do you have? So what money are you... If there's things that happen more than three times to you or three times or more on in a regular basis to do with your money, uh, there's a safe bet that you've got a program around that, around that, mm. um, around that issue. Um, I, I listen for <coughs> comments from people which start with, I always find that. Yeah. And as soon as I hear that comment, I know that whatever is going to come out of their mouth next... Or I just can't seem to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. It's generally a really good indicator of their blockage. So it might be, um, you know, whenever I um, buy a new training package, it just never seems to have enough information in it for me to be able to make a, a success out of it. Yeah, well, everybody else can seem to get it to work, but not me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, there's, there's some really obvious blocks that come out of that in terms of uh, everyone else is cleverer than I am or whatever other subconscious belief there might be that you have, which then is, uh, is, is turning into your reality, is turning into yeah. your conscious. Well, there's lots of crooks out there who are always trying to rip me off. Mm, um, that's, a, that's another one. So just be careful of ha what you're thinking. But listen to the, the chatter in your head. And we'll give you a technique in a moment of how, how you can listen to that. So you might get onto those techniques, eh? Okay. Um, the first one that I, I really like and one that I use quite a bit is uh, one uh, called written affirmations. Now, most people, I guess, know what an affirmation is. It's simply a, a positive statement. Um, and in this case, it's a positive statement which is used to trigger a reaction. So what we're after is a statement which initially makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because if you can find a positive statement which makes you feel uncomfortable, then there's a good chance that you have a subconscious blockage around that problem. So for example, um, you might uh, start off with an affirmation such as, I deserve to be rich. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, it's a good one to use. If it doesn't, then search around for something similar to that that, uh, that makes you just squirm a little bit. Now the way to do the written affirmations is that what you're doing is you're writing down the affirmation then, and then next to it immediately writing the first thing that pops into your head. So I find the easiest way to do it is to start with a stack of loose leaf paper folded um, long ways down the middle and on the left hand side of the page you write your affirmation and on the right hand side of the page you write your immediate gut reaction. So for example I might start by, start by writing I deserve to be rich on the left hand side and then on the right hand side I'll write a response to that. Um, and for example it might be something like you know, what makes you think you deserve that? Um, your parents never had any money, why should you? 
And so whatever it is that comes out, because you're doing it as a gut reaction, you'll find um, is quite a good indicator of what your uh, subconscious beliefs are. Now it may take a few times to do this. One thing about your subconscious is that it responds to uh, repetition. And so you'll find that rather than um, your conscious mind coming up with things, you'll find that by writing out your affirmation perhaps 10, 15, 20 times, you'll find that you, after a period of time, you start to come up with the things which are your real, true um, uh, subconscious beliefs about that particular affirmation. Just one of the mentors that we have uh, who, <coughs> excuse me, one of the mentors that we have who has, oh, he, he's uh, very wealthy, he's in, in tens of millions of dollars, and um, he uses affirmations um, habitually and he has a um, daily ritual of a particular affirmations which that he uses but he repeats them uh, 300 times a day mm. uh, so 300 times a day he will repeat the same affirmation uh, on a on a regular basis um, no so matter what I have done or not done I am worthy of money that's what he says 300 times a day so no matter what I've was it what no matter what, what I've, I've done, done or not done I am worthy of money so that's what he says 300 times a day uh, week in, week out, year in, year out. Mm. Uh, and he just ingrains that as a program into his head. So I guess um, what that's showing you is that written affirmations can be used for two things. Well, sorry, affirmations can be used for two things. One, they can be used to identify uh, your subconscious blockage by having a look at what your reaction is to that affirmation. But certainly once you've actually identified that blockage, you can use that um, positive affirmation um, by repeating it uh, you know, up to, as this chap does, 300 times a day, you can actually use it to reprogram your subconscious. So it's not just a technique to identify the blockages, but it's also um, a technique that you can use to eliminate those blockages and replace them with something positive. Something to keep in mind is uh, as you're progressing, your answers will probably change. And um, when I do this exercise, I, I, it's, it's nothing for me to write uh, three or four fool's cats pages on this. Um, of my affirmations. So I might write the affirmation money comes easily to me and at first the response might be oh yeah I know how hard you work and then I write it again money comes easily for me then it's yeah okay and then I keep writing keep writing it and the responses generally go oh okay then they become neutral and then after a while I, I, I find often that they become they become positive as well uh, so, uh, so I'll say money comes easily to me and go yes that's right and money comes easily to me, you're correct. And, and I start getting the, 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 positive, um, the positive affirmation or positive program starts to build in my head as well. Mm. Okay, good stuff. Once you've done that affirmation uh, with an I statement, so I deserve to be rich or money comes easily to me or I find it easy to make passive income, I earn money while, while I sleep, whatever you, your statement is that, uh, that you're working with, once you've worked through it, and as Andrew said, probably four um, good-sized pages uh, will, uh, will start to have an impact. Once you've done that, you then need to repeat the process, but this time you need to do it in the second person. So the first time you did it in the first person, in other words, using I, this time you do it in the second person, in other words, using you. Now what this can do is it can trigger some quite different programs because this time what you're imagining is that someone is saying the words to you. It's as if a friend or a relative is saying to you, you deserve to be rich or um, you, know, you make a lot of passive income. 
Um, you make money while you're asleep, whatever your affirmation is, money comes easily to you. And hearing someone else say that to you can sometimes trigger different subconscious blockages from saying it to yourself. You may have a feeling of, um, for example, you may have a block which says, gosh, I don't want to big note myself, I don't want to brag. Um, or you may have something which says, what will my friends think of me? Will they all think that I'm a crook if suddenly I'm making all this extra money? And so you can find that you come up with quite different subconscious blockages by doing it um, in the second person using the word you. Same process as before, go through three, four, five pages, however long it takes for those blocks to come out and then to start to become neutral and then to start to become positive. Um, and have a look back at what it is that's come out and you'll start to um, identify some patterns. You do it again the third time and this time you do it in the third person. So this time you do it as if someone else is or a group of friends are talking about you and you are overhearing their conversation. So I might write down, Daryl, she deserves to be rich. Or Daryl, she makes a heap of passive income. She makes money while she's asleep. Uh, money comes really easily to her might be the types of affirmations that I would write. And so again, you might find that you get quite different um, uh, blockages or quite different issues that arise as a result of um, writing things in the third person. Again, three or four pages and then have a look back at what you've written and um, some of the comments that come out. The next technique that we're going to talk about is something called an eye-to-eye -eye exercise. This one's a bit more advanced technique and it's one that works best if you do it with a partner. The idea of an eye-to-eye -eye exercise is that um, what you do is you talk while looking directly into someone else's eyes. Now when you do look directly into someone else's eyes and talk, uh, you automatically trigger your subconscious or your um, alpha brainwave state. And so that means that whatever you say when you're looking directly into someone's eyes in response to, for example, a question, is going to tap directly into uh, what your subconscious beliefs are. Now there are a series of questions that you go through in this um, with your partner, and I might uh, just get Andrew to explain it because this is one of his favourite um, techniques. Okay, so what you do, first of all, once you've got yourself a partner, is you grab two chairs. Um, you sit down in those two chairs and you f sit down facing each other. Just position yourself so you're um, close to your partner and probably so your knees are just touching uh, each other. Uh, sometimes it's, it's uh, suitable to hold hands uh, if you want to or, or it doesn't really matter, but it's nice if you want to hold hands with your partner at that point in time. What you do then is you start to take gentle eye contact with your um, with your partner. Now this is, this does not mean to sort of bore a hole in the head with your the, your eyes or just see who can stare them down the most. But start to look in the eye region, so the no bridge of the nose, the eyes, and holding gentle eye contact. As Daryl said, as you start to do this and uh, you start to hold eye contact for a pe period of time, you'll start to trigger alpha brainwave activity in your brain and um, it's a funny sensation and people start feeling a little bit uncomfortable um, when you do this. A lot of cultures we're taught not to look directly into people's eyes like that unless we're very uh, close to that person. So it can feel a little uncomfortable but what it does do is uh, gives you access to um, parts of your brain which will allow you to uh, access any blockages or get you in contact with your feelings, uh, true feelings about particular subjects.
Thank you for listening to the Money Mindset podcast series. We hope you got awesome value. Find out even more strategies never revealed before on how to identify and remove your financial blocks at www.money-mind-set.com forward slash podcast. We've also got interviews with some of the world's wealthiest minds revealing their formulas for success, plus tons of book summaries of the best business and success classics, proven strategies, and more than $5,000 worth of free bonuses, all for less than $50 a month. That site again, www.money-mind-set.com forward slash podcast. This is Wes signing off, and remember, a wealthy mind equals a wealthy bank account.